Hello and welcome to the Worst Movies We Own podcast. This is my beautiful wife, Natalie, and I am Bobby. This episode we have watched Spike Lee's She Hate Me. From what year, Natalie? 2004. Mookie, always do the right thing. I thought you were going to go with she. She. Very cool. Natalie. Why don't you tell the people at home what the Worst Movies We Own podcast is all about? So Bobby and I are married, we watch a lot of films together, and we've decided to watch the worst DVDs we own according to the ratings these films have received on the website Letterboxd. We've not bought anything specifically for the podcast. It's a mixture of random stuff included in box sets, charity shop gambles, and stuff we bought because we enjoy and clearly other people don't. So we are hoping to find some treasures among these low-rated films, so we're watching each one with an open mind, hoping for the best. Lovely stuff. Spike Lee. Mm. So, last couple of episodes we've covered really good directors, least loved films, or least loved films that we own at the yeah. very least. And I'm a massive Spike Lee fan. Mm-hmm. Really like Spike Lee. Uh, Do the right things, one of the greatest films ever made. Mm-hmm. It's not something you'd pop on every week. It's not like a crowd pleaser, mm. but it's a, it's a brilliant piece of cinema. And there's others he's made, like Jungle Fever, Do the Right Thing, Clockers, mm-hmm. that are just wonderful films. 25th Hour, mm-hmm. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. What do you feel when you watch a Spike Lee movie usually? Well, the, I mean, there is that kind of a division between the types of films. There are films that you feel like are very much Spike Lee, like mm-hmm. very kind of um, no one else is doing exactly that kind of thing where they're set in Brooklyn it's got a specific cast of characters and it does tend to be about kind of morality and um and what life is you know his his background and and what what life is like for black Americans living in Brooklyn I guess and then you've got his other stuff that's kind of more Hollywood Mm -hmm. um like the 25th hour did he do Inside Man? He did do Inside Man, yeah. yeah. He's got a few gun for hires, but even those yeah. seem to have... They want to talk about current affairs, the black experience. Yeah. What it's like to be American, really. And I think what he does really well, it's not so much in this film, it doesn't really get covered in this film quite so much. It's there, but it's not... Is he understands racism really well, in a mm-hmm. way that other people who talk about race, it's like, racism's bad, okay? Mm-hmm. Whereas Spike Lee kind of accepts racism as a human thing, but white people have power... And yeah. therefore, white racism should be called out more for that reason. That, that, I think that's the big difference. I think he's willing to accept that black people can be racist. And Yeah, his his films are a lot more nuanced than your typical films about racism in America, which Definitely. are probably made by white people generally anyway, you know, mm-hmm. which usually involve a court case. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Spike Lee as well, but I don't think I've seen quite as many of his films as you have. Mm-hmm. But he is someone where I've, you know, popped a film of his on when I've been on my own before because I know I'm going to enjoy it and I can concentrate on it without you distracting me. Um, I really enjoyed watching She's Gotta Have It um, recently and I love Jungle Fever and like you say, uh, Do the Right Thing is something that we probably watch quite often. We do do watch more often than maybe other big dramas because it's a... I don't want to sound like... A nerd, but it's a very vibrant piece of filmmaking. Mm. He's he's the closest filmmaker to Scorsese, who's his friend and I think a bit of a mentor to him. Mm-hmm. In that, he's got a very distinct cinematic style. He's quite experimental, mm. even though he's making stuff that generally, most times, is very accessible to for your normal 
person just buying a ticket to see a film at a multiplex can go and join. Yeah. Um, but there's often virtuoso camera moves, interesting choices in terms of how the films, the colour processes of the films are made and stuff mm. like that. I, I don't, I'm not going to say I like everything Spike Lee does. I think he makes a film a year and that often means that there's films that are very forgettable or just a bit too experimental to mm. really kind of do more and go, I've watched that, that's done. I'm not going to go back to that ever again. But there are there's certain there's certain films of his that you just kind of self, find yourself being drawn back into and do the right things the most obvious one but like I, I really like uh, Mo Better Blues and I really like He Got oh, Game yeah, as well. Uh, he, he does really good work with Denzel Washington. Yes, uh, He Got Game was good as well. Yeah, now you see, now you're saying them. I'm thinking, mm. yeah, there are a lot that I enjoy that just don't come to mind. Post the twenty fifth hour, he became someone whose films start didn't get a lot of distribution unless he was doing Inside Man, which is him doing a crime thriller. Mm. A lot of his films came out. This thing's called Red Hook Summer. I've never seen it. And uh, The Blood of Jesus, I've never seen it. We've got Chirac on DVD sitting there. We've never watched it. Oh, yeah. Uh, just not got around to it. He had a whole kind of 10, 15-year period where those films just didn't capture the zeitgeist, didn't get the same kind of distribution over in the UK as his mm. other stuff. It was kind of his Spike Lee with another film watch it on streaming if you can't find anything else to watch and in the last couple of years he's had a little bit of renaissance black kk Klansman, and oh, yeah. i think i've got too many k's in there but you get the idea okay. and uh the five bloods yeah and we've watched a nice nike advert he did recently oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. nothing but love for spike lee he's a fascinating figure i think if either of us were more comfortable talking about racism, racism, we could talk a lot about what he does, but I don't know if we are those people. No, and and this isn't what this is about. It's no. about how much we enjoy the film. But yes. I will say, uh, you know, I like the way he packages his little kind of didactic moments mm-hmm. in films um, and the kind of the, the way it comes through the characters and through their voices. And it, it kind of explains things to people in, you know, an easy to understand way yes but without being too obvious and kind of what's the word too preachy too preachy yeah yeah um so i appreciate that Uh, he's never preachy but i think he also plays quite interesting experiments on his audience we'll go back to do the right thing as a good example most people walk out of do the right thing who are white and think the greatest tragedy is the business has been destroyed rather than the death of the black person Mm. and i think spike knows he's made a film that people could take a different message away from, but there is a wrong message to take yeah. away. And I think he's quite playful in that way, usually. There are times, maybe the sexual politics of She Hate Me, something that, you know, you get the feeling that he hasn't moved on with the times when it comes to certain uh, gender politics, sexual politics. He's got, mm-hmm. he's got his own idea of how the world should be, but he's playful enough uh, to still make what would be quite unpalatable uh, ideas relatively fun yeah I don't think you should go into a Spike Lee film and expect it to be woke when it comes to sex or gender yeah it's not going to be that it's, it's, it's the opinion of an old black man <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's a very intelligent old black man he's a very opinionated old black man he's making a film with his name on it yeah He's not going to. He's not going to have your opinions. He's not going to have our opinions either. No. So, uh, but I do get the feeling the reason why we're covering this on letter because the letterbox score is this is particularly offensive to lesbians, even though I don't think it really means to be. No. Okay. I don't um, 
shall we tell people what the plot of She Hate Me is? Yeah, all right. Yeah, you're, you're happy to move on. Yeah, I'm happy to move on. Okay. Are you happy to move on? Yeah, I'm happy to move on. I'm sorry, Bill Clay's just trying to eat my, my clipboard. Okay. We've got a new kitten called Bill Clay and you might hear him occasionally causing chaos. Um, so, uh, a bit of plot. Jack, played by Anthony Mackie, whistleblows on uh, unethical practices at the pharmaceutical company he works for. And to make some money whilst he's on hiatus, he enters into a business arrangement with his lesbian former fiance, whereby he starts donating his sperm the old fashioned way to lesbians wanting babies. The old-fashioned way. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more to the film than that. It's a very unfocused film. It's you know, I get the feeling that Spike came with maybe two intentions to talk about whistleblowing and talk about how much lesbians might enjoy that dick. Um, and a lot of other ideas are in there. <laughs> there's a huge amount of spinning off into different ideas as the film goes along. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not the film you expect it to be from the first ten minutes. Yeah. of the film unless you've read the back of the box yeah the first 10 minutes feel more like uh the insider um quite similar to a tv series we're watching at the moment the dropout mm. in fact you've got a company that have suggested they're going to create something a cure for aids in this case yeah and because they haven't got fda approval suddenly they're moving money around faking things and trying to make as much profit as possible and because his name's john armstrong isn't it Jack John, Armstrong. Jack, another name and then Armstrong yeah. or something like that, yeah. He Because he, he, he kind of resists it and says this is not the right thing because you can't do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, he becomes the fool guy as such for all the corporate malfeasance and needs to find a way to make cash, mm -hmm. which is inseminating lesbians five or six times a night. Just doesn't seem believable to me. Yeah, um, he... he, he He's got a talent for it, <laughs> but there was no way of knowing that, I suppose, before he started doing it. Let's talk about the whole inseminating lesbian subplot in what we liked and what we didn't like. Um, should we use the facts and figures? Okay. Okay. She Hate Me, 2004, is directed by the one and only Spike Lee. It's also written by Lee, based on the short story by the actor Michael Jeunet, who also helped with the screenplay. It stars Anthony Mackie, Kerry Washington, Ellen Barkin, Monica Bellucci, Woody Harrelson, Bay Ling, John Turturro. That's the most famous people in it. It's a pretty packed cast. Oh, yeah, very much so. There's a lot of people in it. It cost $8 million to make. It only made $1.5 at the US box office. It was released on July the 30th, 2004. So it came out on the same weekend that The Village got to number one, the remake of The Manchurian Candidate with Denzel, Harold and Kumar, Go to White Castle, and things like Spider-Man 2 and iRobot were still kicking around in the charts, the Born Supremacy as well. It has an internet maybe database <laughs> score of 5.3 and a letterbox score of 2.5. And my kitten has just climbed up my trousers and stabbed me every single climb of the way. Shall we take a little break and say what we liked and didn't like about Spike Lee, She Hate Me? Yeah, and you can unpick the, the cat from your leg as well. Yeah, oh, he's in there. Oh, Bill Clay. <laughs> Natalie, what did you like about She Hate Me? Well, I'm going to start with something that I think you seem to have interpreted as a negative and say, I like the structure of it. I oh. like the fact that it starts off as something and then becomes something completely different for the middle section and then goes back to what it was at the beginning at the end. I think it's it's unusual, but it's refreshing. I mean, so he whistleblows and uh, the the company are after him and the FCC, is it? The, say the financial yeah. yeah, um, are after him. And he's got all these problems going on. But who wants to watch the film about him 
being stressed and going on the dole and being followed by Isaiah Whitlock Jr. for six months. <laughs> exactly. Um, you have to pronounce that final T. Oh, well, you do it then. It's like she. You did very well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so instead, you see what he's doing whilst he's waiting for things to move along with this whistleblowing thing. Um, mm-hmm. And for the company to to do what it's doing, and for him to for them to build a case against him, the the financial people, and he just has to, you know, it happens to be the case that he gets a little side hustle impregnating lesbians. Yeah, and then we get to see that for a little bit. Yeah, he kind of gets pimped out, doesn't he? Yeah. So let's face it, this happens. It just doesn't happen in quite the uh, mass production they <laughs> um, <laughs> uh way that it's depicted in the film. Uh, people do pay other people for their sperm and eggs because they can't mm. conceive themselves or they don't want to go through the uh, sperm bank route, which is understandable because you don't know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Anthony Mack is a very good-looking man. Yes, but does that matter if you're a lesbian? That's that. No, that's my concern. You want a good-looking kid. You want a good-looking kid. A healthy, okay. good-looking I kid. I understand. Yeah. Um, so you know. And it's lesbians of every race, and race never really comes up in the conversation of "I'd like a nice mixed-race baby." No, it doesn't come up. Mm. Uh, but which, yeah, doesn't need to really, does mm-hmm. it? Uh, and he it is a host of different um, ethnicities and types of lesbian that he yes. uh, gets involved with. Everything from bailing mm-hmm. to Monica Bellucci, two very beautiful women. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so it starts off with his ex-partner, his um, his lesbian, now lesbian ex-partner, played mm-hmm. by Kerry Washington. Uh, they split up when he caught her in bed with another woman. Mm-hmm. And that's the path that she's taken since then. Yeah. She and her girlfriend want to have a child, but they both want to have a child at the same time. At the same time, which makes sense because I imagine in that situation, normally, the the woman who gives birth to the child within the partnership, if both women actually want a child, if they want, you know, they have mm-hmm. the maternal instinct in them, yeah, then it could cause an issue if one of them has a child. So yeah, it makes perfect sense that we both want to have a go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, they approach Anthony Mackie with this proposition. And it's not because of the whistleblowing thing. It's kind of coincidental at that time. He's reluctant, but he does need the cash. And he's still kind of in love with Kerry. Well, he is still in love with Kerry Washington. So I think that is part of it as well. Uh, There's a bit near the start of the film where he's talking to a colleague about having children and saying that 31 is the ideal time for a man to have a child because they've got enough energy to play with the kids, but they're old enough to have a decent job. And And be be emotionally mature, yeah. yeah. Not, Not a bad theory at all. No. But there's yeah, never a best time or worse. I think it's more to do with the person than yeah, the yeah. age. <laughs> so he agrees to that and uh because his um her girlfriend doesn't know him and mm-hmm. also is a lesbian, she decides that she'd rather go via the Turkey Baxter route, whereas mm-hmm. Kerry Washington's been there and done it, so mm-hmm. she's quite happy doing it the old fashioned way. Yeah, the old fashioned way. Which in itself was probably enough for <laughs> A middle section of the film however uh kerry washington is quite the entrepreneur and i'm guessing some kind of lesbian book group uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they seem to meet groups of a half dozen lesbian at a time mm. and go would you like to sleep with this man all tonight all mm. of you tonight one at a time and they go, yeah it's thursday night i've not got plans let's all go together and have a pregnancy party mm-hmm. and all of them seem to enjoy 
sex with someone who's not the gender they prefer or desire. Yeah, and no, they sex. all they, they all decide to go for the sex route rather than the um yeah. the turkey baxter route, except for that one woman, which is and then she she decides later on to have it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is that theory that if you enjoy it, then you're more likely to conceive. But I don't think that is true. <laughs> I I get the feeling that the sexual politics of this don't really hold up to scrutiny. No. Yeah, if they they this is a male fantasy. Yeah. Of of you know being pimped out by beautiful women. But he, he does not enjoy it even from the very beginning, apart from maybe with Kerry Washington. And the thing is as well, until setting Monica Bellucci aside for a second, and I don't know if this is intentional, but you go through about four groups of lesbians before he gets to Monica Bellucci, which then spins off into another storyline. Um, and they gradually get slightly less appealing. <laughs> yeah, I think that is that that's definitely true. It's uh, Kerry Washington in her underwear and her Louboutins. Mm. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. But then, as we go along, like the standard does drop in yeah. terms of how attractive the lesbian would be to a heterosexual man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, though they're all attractive to his French. Uh, what do you call it, concierge? Concierge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, but I, 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 you know, whilst it does jar a little bit, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a lesbian, so I'm not personally offended by it. I'm talking about the structure of it. Yeah, no, 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 no back on the structure. Two films yeah. in one film, and a little gangster film as well, and a little guy. Yeah, so to, to explain, <laughs> Monica Bellucci comes to him uh, for the service, uh, but she happens to also be the daughter of a mafia boss, played by John Turturro. Uh, so that kind of causes its own little sideline. That actually brings the two storylines together because the FCC, the financial people who've been looking for an opportunity to prosecute and get photos of him going to the house and meeting this mafia guy uh, who wants to see him because he's impregnated his daughter. Um, So nothing to do with the whistleblowing and the insider trading of the pharmaceutical company. But that's enough evidence for them to get him put away. As much as you like the structure, I think it's probably fair to say it's a bit messy and indulgent. It doesn't need to be a two-hour, 15-minute no, film. and I will move on to that at one Okay, point. okay, okay. But the principle of having two completely different films, seemingly, in one, d- didn't put me off, and I don't think is a bad thing. Plus, whilst the middle section is overly long, and we will talk about that, you've got loads of little nice offshoots and moments, um, moments with his family, moments with his best friend, mm-hmm. Later on, when he meets John Turturro, um, when you get little kind of like visit revisits to the um, white corporate America of the pharmaceutical yeah. company who are after him, um, so the main villains being played by Woody Harrelson and Alan Barkin, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's plenty going on there. Yeah, and obviously there's a real parallel in terms of um, the world of high finance and someone commodifying their body. Yeah. So, you know, it's America. Everything's got a price. I think they even say something quite similar to that during the film. Yeah. You can put a, put a price on just about anything. Um, and maybe he's more in control of his labour and talents when he's a pimp. But it mm. doesn't seem that way. It does seem like uh, his ex-girlfriend and her lover pretty much just put him to work. And there's a certain slave element to the pimping. Mm. Yeah. What else did you like? What else did I like? Um, so let's talk about the cast. Um, the main players uh, are, are all good. Um, Anthony Mackie's not someone who I necessarily think, oh, he's in a film, I'm going to go and see it. But whenever I've seen him in anything, 
he's done a really good job. You know, I like him. He's got pretty eyes. And, <laughs> um, and it's always nice to see Kerry Washington in something. But as with a lot of the Spike Lee films that we've talked about previously, it's those peripheral characters, it's the faces. And I really like this in a director and in films where they bring the same faces mm -hmm. back. Yeah. They've got their kind of cast of characters, their, their players, house players. Yeah. House players. Um, so John Turturro. Isaiah Whitlock. Isaiah Whitlock. Ozzy Davis. Yeah, yeah. It's Ozzy Davis's last film. He was. He looked pretty old. And he, yeah. was sat, he was a judge. He was only in two scenes and he sat down in both. It does seem to be Hollywood's way of saying this, your final role will be a judge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, don't make any plans after this film. You're playing a judge for two scenes and that's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Jim Brown. Who yeah, I knew Brown's the name great. but didn't know him, and then you were like, Oh, Mars is hacks. I was like, Oh, yeah, of course. Um, he was really good. And, and Joie Lee's in it. Joie Lee, mm. always an absolute pleasure, um, because she's got Spike Lee's face, and it's so weird. <laughs> she, she's a much prettier version. She Spike is, Lee. she is. She's a, she's a beautiful woman. It's just they're so. I mean, I know they're brother and sister, so of course they're going to be similar. Well, I've, I've got something with me, me and my sister. Yeah, we, you, we look you very similar, but I, I like to think I look quite masculine, and she looks quite feminine, but still. Yeah, yeah, you do. As do they. Yeah. As do Joie and yes. Joy, however you pronounce it, and um, Spike. But they do, you know, you, you know the brother and sister. Um, there was someone else that I was going to say. Um, of the returning players or someone who was really good in the film? No, someone I liked in the film, but he could be a returning player. The guy who played his best friend. Oh, yeah. I think I, I don't know who that actor is, but I know who you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was good in it. Mm. And um, obviously Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson's kind of un underused. He's not, he's not a major character in it, but as someone who's playing that kind of evil white America, he... Mm. he does a good job of it. Yeah, I, I get the feeling Woody House is somebody who probably put a message out to Spike Lee quite early on, saying, I'd love to work with you at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, we share the same political values. Yeah, and maybe I Wesley introduced we, him as well. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, this is the one that kind of Spike says, well, I need someone to represent white corporate America. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Woody says, I'm there. Yeah. But, you know, it's not the focus of the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed uh, everyone who's in it. There was no one I thought, oh. But, oh, Monica Bellucci, I never even mentioned Monica yeah. Bellucci. It's always nice to see Monica Bellucci. No, you, you, you're telling me. <laughs> um, and even things like the, the, um, the first kind of group of lesbians that you meet, uh, who, you know, you focus more on them than you do on any of the subsequent groups yeah. of lesbians. They're all people who you've seen in other things or... You know, you might not know the actors, by, apart from Byling. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're rich personalities. In the, even in the very short amount of screen time, you've got a good idea of what they're like as a person. Yeah, and, and they're, they're all sort of bringing something different. All, they've all got a different reason to be there, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is yeah. nice. And it, they manage in that one kind of scene to kind of explain all the different routes that might bring you to getting your sperm from Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Um, and I, I enjoyed Evelyn most of all of that group. Yeah, she's, she's great. I think yeah. they wanted little Kim to play her. Oh, well, she's yeah. got a little Kim quality. Yeah, but yeah. little Kim said nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> not, not at this point in her career, Spike, thank you. Well, that explains why she's going on about her Rap, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spike didn't change the script when he did get little no. Kim. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else did you like? Um, what else did I like? I liked um, that there was nothing too extreme or too predictable in it. So, you know, towards the beginning when he's getting this visit from Kerry Washington and that happens and she insists that they do it the old-fashioned way. Um, I thought it was kind of going to go down uh, at them getting back together roots, like a romantic route, yeah. which would have been... An, Chasing an, Amy, kind of. Yeah, yeah, and that is a bit... Mm, um, and it didn't do that, and it doesn't do that with Monica Bellucci, even though she they clearly hit it off. And um, 
you know, various other things as well. Even the kind of the resolution of the whistleblowing thing, it's not it's not done in that predictable court scene way. It's mm-hmm. kind of it's dealt with in two scenes, one longer, very good scene, and then a quick, sharp, sweet, yeah. let's resolve it all scene. Uh, and I think that was a really good way of doing it. Um, and yeah, I appreciate that. It was, it was kind of a bit more subtle than I expected it to be from the, the kind of start and from reading what the film was about. Anything else you want to praise? I liked um, two major things as well, just separate from kind of the acting and the writing. The colour of the whole thing. Yeah, you noticed it really good. Very early on, you said to me... It's like a washed-out green, like a dollar bill. Like a dollar bill. The whole way through. Yeah, the whole way through. But more so in the start when he's in the in the business. Yeah. The, I, the pharmaceutical company. I think the only scenes that don't have faded green as their colour code and have been kind of um, desaturated, kind of focus on the green are the scenes mm. in his family home. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Um, it's slightly less so in his own home as well. He's got some lovely artwork on his walls. I don't know if that's a particular artist that they used for the artwork. I, I don't know who it is, but all, all the homes have lovely artwork. Yeah. Them. Yeah, it's really good in that respect. Um, and the music. I like the music as well. Terence Blanchard. Yeah. A bit of a kind of uh, interpretive jazz. Yeah. It, it sounds lovely. Yeah, it It's does. rich and full and like, probably have a hundred instruments there mm. and more scores like that, please. And it, Spike Lee always has good uh, music in his films. He's got a really good eye or ear yeah. for the tunes. Yeah. What didn't you like? What didn't I like? Okay, so um, I do feel that the middle section could have been cut down. Whilst there are kind of side stories and stuff, the him, the process of him meeting a new group of lesbians, having sex with them, and the aftermath just goes on, I think, maybe one too many times. Mm-hmm. It even feels like it actually repeats itself when you get a group coming in and speaking to his concierge. Yeah, and I, I it, it felt like deja vu the second time it happened. It was just, it was just too much. It was unnecessary, yeah. and it's quite a long film, um, to have that. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a feeling. I'd say all over the film, there's certain scenes and sequences that are repeated where nothing new really happens, mm. and that does start to make you feel like get bogged down in. Am I interested in this at all? Really, is there a story worth telling here? Um, I think a good example is. The first time he sold off to the group of random lesbians and sleeps with all of them and and uh, conceives with all of them mm. works absolutely fine. Really good sequence, builds to a nice montage. Mm-hmm. To see that two more times, you can just say, show the ladies coming in or ladies coming out and we know what's happened. Yeah. yeah. We, don't, we don't need to go through the whole thing again each time. No. no. Um... So I would say that, and yeah, the ending. So not the ending of the uh, whistleblowing storyline, because I think that's done really well. Um, Maybe we should have mentioned that, actually, because I don't know if we're going to have another opportunity to do so, but he draws a parallel. A lot of other whistleblowers are mentioned, Mm -hmm. and um, not so much a whistleblower, but the security guard who tipped um, tipped off Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. He found the tape door, he called it in, and I, I knew about this already, but he was essentially fired and destitute for the rest of his life. They, he's the guy who blew Watergate as such. But he wasn't an intentional whisperer, he's just someone doing yeah, their job. He did their job, yeah. yeah and, and saw something wrong, called it in. And But I think what I always feel about all the whistleblowers of the 20th century, 21st century, and we've had like... Um, people like uh, Assange and uh, all, all the other people over the last kind of 20 years is 
why would you do it? Because you see what goes before. Yeah, yeah, like I don't think it brings it ever brings any positive change. By the time people believe them and it gets to a high court, mm. by that point everyone's moved on and the people who are doing the malfeasance have moved into new positions and probably doing something equally as bad there and they're untouchable. Look at the Grenfell in, in the UK. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose there are various different reasons. Um and the one that I like to think is is the 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 main reason why people would do it is because they've just got such a strong sense of right and wrong mm. that they could not do it, that they would feel so guilty if they didn't blow the whistle on something that they've seen happening that they couldn't live with themselves. And I'm sure in most of the cases that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there's possibly maybe in some cases a little bit of, well, if I don't whistle blow, mm-hmm. I'm going to be part of this. Yes. But then you always have the, op- the option of, of just leaving something behind, I suppose. Mm. Um or there's the hero thing like you you feel like you wanna you're gonna you're gonna be the one who makes the difference and everyone's gonna think you're a hero and the thing is you should be mm. because you are you are exposing something unethical but that isn't the way the world works and you know it's a shame but it's it's kind of naive to think you are gonna be the one who yeah I just think the way the world's rigged government judicial system the whistleblower ruins their life it's mm. as simple as that. It's it's a massive thing. I mean, the best film about whistleblowing is The Insider, Michael Mann's, about the um, tobacco lobby. And Jeffrey Wigand's a doctor who does blow the whistle on. But oh, they, they, they don't need the knowledge and they're still doing it. Mm. And it's a great film. Really good whistleblowing. And, and you made, only made a few years before She Hate Me. Mm. Maybe before the big phase of popular whistleblowers through culture happens. Mm. But, um, yeah, really great film. This... The whistleblowing aspect is kind of a bookend to the sex comedy confessions of a whistleblower yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, part of the film. But I do think it's a fascinating subject. I don't think it's really been captured quite as well since The Insider, even though there's been a greater spate of obvious people. Oliver Stone made one a couple of years ago where Joseph Gordon called and I can't remember who the whistleblower was. That's terrible. Oh, Snowden. Right. Edward Snowden. Oh, I never saw that either. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They tend to be quite strange people. They do well, yeah. But then, is that are they strange people, or are we all strange? But once corporate, the corporate world starts attacking us and exposing us and scandalising us and saying, "Who you wouldn't believe this person? They wear yeah, ladies' underwear." That's true. Yeah, do they come across as strange because we just all are and our lives are on show oh, now? Yeah, I wouldn't want anyone knowing I wear ladies' underwear. Well, you wear lovely ladies' underwear, don't they? Little Tweety Birds on them, Snoopies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we're so- not <laughs> I'm not talking about the um, the whistleblowing side of things. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So, Sorry. Um, yeah, it, that kind of ends with uh, Anthony Mackie in front of, I don't know, judges, some kind of panel of it's, people. It seems to be like a, like a McCarthy-era commission of senators. I don't know And they do called. draw that link with McCarthyism yeah. as well. Uh, and he gives a nice speech, and he does the parallel with uh, the guy. Frank who, Wells. Frank? Fred Wells. Fred Wells. Yeah, yeah. From Watergate. Great. But then you need to tie up the fact that he's now got 19 kids and uh, two of those are with his ex-lover and her new lover. Mm-hmm. And the way they do that is uh, kind of he has like a nice moment where all the lesbians have their babies and they're sat on the steps and they're all together and it's yeah. all, you know, it's nice. But then they also want to kind of give him some kind of a, I don't know, resolution with the, his ex and it's too ambiguous for me to really put my finger on exactly what they're saying has happened at the end. Because you could read it in two different ways. That he becomes part of a family with them. Mm-hmm. 
or he literally becomes, I don't know, part of a triangle, a love triangle with them. And they're two different things. And I hope it's the family. I think, I think it fits in with both parts of the film in that earlier on in the film, there's a conversation between Jim Brown and his mother, which is don't expect your son to come look after you. All he cares about is money. Mm. And by the end, he's been a good father to his children. And by being a good father, it's seen as he has to be in a sexual relationship with both the mothers. Oh, so you think he is entering into a sexual I th- relationship? I, 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 think, I think you have to implicitly take that as. And in, in a way, and it's a reductive kind of opinion, I do think Spike Lee is saying there needs to be a daddy around and mummies and daddies together bring up stronger families. Same same messages in Jungle Fever. Oh yeah, yeah, that is a bit difficult. But, you know, is it is it the wrong message? I think if there's love in a family and it's happy, then having both partners around is great. I don't think they necessarily need to be in a sexual relationship uh, because the 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 more insidious suggestion is the woman who's quite clearly a lesbian, Kerry mm. uh, Washington's partner, also is welcoming of a man as a sexual partner in their, in their relationship, which mm. it just seems unlikely, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... But it, is, it isn't entirely clear. Mm. Um, so I can see why, you know, maybe this has caused certain issues. You can see why it would tick off people. Yeah, um, especially, especially 15 years down the line where everyone is a bit more aware about how negative media can be towards same-sex relationships, same-sex marriages, mm. same-sex being um, something that's just in you. It's mm. not a choice, it's not a preference. Yeah. Um, and this film is counterintuitive to that. Yeah. Not damningly so, but I would say it's very much the work of a middle-aged man <laughs> yeah. who doesn't particularly care about lesbians' feelings when he's making this film. <laughs> But, you know, like I say, if you look at Spike Lee's entire catalogue, he doesn't care about anyone's feelings. He wants to he wants to pick at it. He wants to go, right, there's positives and negatives to every lifestyle, every <laughs> stereotype you could be, every race, every sexuality, every class you could be. There's, there's positives and negatives, but some people get more eyes than others. I think he's relatively respectful to the lesbians, apart from the idea that if you were to experience good dicking, you might enjoy good dicking. Yeah. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't like the words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, what else did you like? I don't have anything else on my list. Nothing else? No. I, I think... enjoyed it. I liked it. I thought it was a good film. Really? Oh, I mean... You, you go on. You tell me what you didn't like. I'm, I'm not sure there's much more I, d- I didn't like as such. I don't think it really needs to be two and a half hours long. And... I don't think Anthony Mackie's the most interesting actor to carry a film like this. I think it lacked focus, but I've said all these things when I've been talking about yours. I, I didn't love it. I'd say I wouldn't watch it again, but we'll cover yeah. that in, in a few questions in a minute. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't kick it to death. I think it's got some interesting ideas. There's some good filmmaking in there. But equally, I can understand why if you find certain... If you take certain opinions as being presented in the film, then there's not enough around it to make it any... For a sex comedy, which is what it is, mm. it really is a satire which has got big business and sex as mm. comedy, it's not very funny. I don't really feel like it's a laugh, meant to be a laugh-out-loud comedy. But then what is it? Jokes. Then what is it? Because otherwise it's a polemic on... It doesn't have to be something. <laughs> it's just a diversion. Yes, I do think it is satirical. Yeah. Um, 
and the lesbian storyline really isn't. Mm-hmm. But to me, that is just kind of filler in the middle. But it's just an interesting story. Yeah, but it was it was marketed more focusing on the guy who sleeps with eighteen lesbians rather than the we've got another animal on here kind of situation. Okay. Well, I don't think anyone told Anthony Mackie that because he seems to take it all very seriously. He took it very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I, I'd say maybe that is a problem with the film, but he's a bit too serious in the role. Imagine the fun a young Wesley Snipes would have in this role. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then it would be a comedy. Yeah. But, uh, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. So. Okay, let's have a little break and we'll do our regular questions. Oh, can I ask you one question yeah, first? If you don't mind, I'm so sorry. I know you've just got a puffy bomb to... Uh, That's all right, darling. Um, I'm just curious because this DVD is actually a double DVD. Mm-hmm. It's a... Um, it's in a, a double bill with school days. Yeah. So I'm just wondering whether you bought this for school days or whether you bought it for She Hate. I bought it for school days, definitely. Oh, it's, okay. it's, it's, um, again, not a particularly loved Spike Lee film. It was quickly kicked to death after She's Got a Habit and right. came back with Do the Right Thing. But school days over the years has got a bit more praise as it's gone along and people see it as like kind of maybe a bit of a mis, misremembered second film. People don't like She's Got a Habit. No, no. School oh, days. School Days got kicked to death. School, okay. school Days. Um, and I've never seen it so I'm looking forward to watching that but it won't be part of this podcast because there's enough people who on Letterboxd at the very least see School Days as being you know white critic white, white old critics at the time didn't understand what School Days was doing okay uh, same as another film made around this period called Bamboozled that got again not a lot of critical praise when it came out but since people have gone no no it's actually hit the nail on the head and quite a few things we've seen as time's gone along over the last 15-20 years okay Right, you can um, pause it. Uh, I was just curious. Well, there we go, guys. I'll be back in a second after the break. Regular questions. Mm-hmm. Quick fire. Okay. Who was the Michael Parks of the film when everyone else was earning a paycheck? Who put in a full day's work and really stole the show? Okay, everyone did really well, and mm-hmm. I liked everyone, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to pick one at random, even though I don't necessarily think this person was that much better than anyone else. But I'm going to go with Jim Brown, because I liked his bit in it. Yeah, Jim Brown was good in it. It's, it's, it's generally hard. He's got a fantastic cast, which you've already brought up, and to pick one over the other. I mean, you could go for John Turturro, but I don't think it particularly stretches him as a role, him doing Godfather impressions. No. <laughs> like, literally, doing Godfather impressions. You're thinking, oh, he, he, he plays a gangster. No, no, he's doing Godfather impressions. Uh, Monica Bellucci looks great, but does it stretch her as an actress? Well, who knows? <laughs> uh, I, I, do you know what? I think I'm quite happy to give it to Jim Brown yeah, as well. Nice. Yeah, I, I, probably Jim Brown or Joali. Yeah. Yeah. Product placement. Who put in some cash to have their wares on show? Well, if you want to have sex with six different women in a night, you are going to need to get yourself some Red Bull. And some Viagra, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they definitely, uh, <laughs> they definitely featured prominently Everlast Boxing Gear. Andy oh, okay. Mackie seems to exclusively wear that, but then Jim Brown favours the the Nike, the Jordans. Uh, okay. Uh, but there, there was plenty of product placement in here. I get the feeling that possibly product placement paid for the film, but we know that Spike's got a real synergy with the advertising world because he makes adverts for Nike at least once a year and yeah. other companies too. So if you can make one change to Should She Hate Me, what would it be? All I would do is tighten up that middle section, just get rid of a group of lesbians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
just sounds sinister, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Natty does not have these powers. Um, I'd make it funny. It's got to be funnier than it is. It's too serious and it is a sex comedy. I don't think you could, if you were to put it into any pigeonhole, it would have to be as a sex comedy. And then in that respect, it's very lacking. So just get some of those jokes landing. And I think possibly that your problem there is Anthony Mackie just takes it a bit too seriously. Mm. Very young actor. I don't think he's even 31 when he's playing a 31-year-old in it. Oh, really? But yeah. Um, where would you cast James Spader in this? Well, there's only one role he could do. I mean, he, he you know, if you need someone representing evil white corporate America, <laughs> <laughs> you get him to do it. He's not going to be the German who kills himself, is he? No, but he could be. That could be. be. I, I quite like the scene at the beginning where the German killed himself for two reasons. First of all, it seems like a homage to the Hudsucker proxy. Black man goes into the, the skyscraper and eventually white man comes crawling down. Uh, and when the rich white doctor he seems like a good egg yeah seems like a decent bloke crash lands he crash lands on a coffee and donut cart but we've met the guy who works in coffee and donut cart he's a nice guy mm. and he's the little man he's, he's a guy of ethnicity yeah and it just feels like i think what what's really good about spike lee is even though he gets distracted sometimes little sequences can be as good as the whole film mm. and that, that opening certainly is even though does have a huge bearing on the main plot. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it kind of is the catalyst of why everything happens. But yeah, it was a, it was a really good scene, and I enjoyed the opening sequence. Yeah, it was very good. Should there? Well, usually asked, should there be a sex scene? But should there be more sex scenes? Because there was plenty. Well, no. There's enough for you. Yeah. Um. I mean, I can't really see where there would be one. He doesn't have a romantic involvement with any character in the film. It's mm-hmm. all about procreation. Mm. So that kind of makes sense, actually, to not have a, you know... Well, there couldn't be. You, you, there is no romance in his life. Well, there actually, apart from the comedy sex montages, there is insemination scenes. How did you feel about those? Oh, the little animated scenes. There's, there's a couple of CGI sequences where sperms with Anthony Mackie's face race down the tube steak. Yeah, I had no issue with that as a choice, <laughs> as an artistic choice in the film, even though it's like... That's meant to be funny. It's very juvenile. Yeah, it's very. Ju- but also, the thing that bothered me about it was that the uh, the old the what do you call the lady pipe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that he's travelling up mm. it looks like an ear, <laughs> uh, and it just made me think about sperm in an ear, and that really freaked me out. So oh, yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. like it. I wish they'd done something to make it look more uh, like a, the inside of a, a female reproductive system. It felt like a sequence where the Wayans brothers might sit down to the new Spike Lee film and go, this guy's a fucking master. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should watch more of these Spike Lee films. <laughs> I mean, the thing, I could understand like doing it once or twice, possibly. But yeah, I think by the fourth or fifth time you see it, it's too much. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, but I did quite like the real births. Yeah, that, that was done well. Yeah, so yeah. You, you, when the ladies have their babies uh, towards the end of the film, you know, you see a bit of footage of a real birth, and that's I was interested to see. And someone would have had the job of glistening Kerry Washington and then Monica Bellucci and bailing with a little kind of fake sweat gun. Yeah. Glistening them up, that's a good job. Yeah, is that what you'd like to do with your life? Uh, if Spike's looking for someone to do it in future films, then I'd quite happily <laughs> glisten his, his beautiful international actresses. Oh. Uh, which leads us to our last question. Was yeah. She Hate Me worse or better than Bad Boys? No, I liked it more than Bad Boys. And I would disagree. I'd say Bad Boys is a far more enjoyable piece of cinema. Yeah, whatever. I would definitely watch Bad Boys again. I don't know if I'd rush to sit through She Hate Me for two hours and 20 minutes with minimal laughs. 
I agree. Self-promoted is a bad place, though. No, disagree. Would you like to know what we are covering next episode? Well, yeah, because you told me that things are getting better. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some absolute classics coming up, just because we've kind of bought some things over the last couple of months, and suddenly there's... We? Yeah, there's some worst films, according to Letterboxd, that have joined our collection that... People, people are going to be excited by. Okay. I mean, we've, we've just covered in, in a free episode run De Palma, Carpenter and Lee. Mm. Some, of the, some of our favourite directors, some of the yeah. greatest directors out there. Uh, we're going for a Canon film next. Like the production company Canon? Yeah. Okay, well that's... I'm talking about Lundgren, I'm talking about Langella, I'm talking about Courtney Cox, I'm talking about Masters of oh, the Universe. Oh, of course. Right, okay. 1987's adaptation of the He-Man cartoons and toy line next episode we are doing masters of the universe one of my first visceral remembered cinema trips i've never seen it we bought it in spain on blu-ray didn't we when we, we, were we, we yeah we did you were there we? you were there you didn't go you didn't go hold your hand satan put it away <laughs> there's no deal to be done here okay well el diablo you said let's buy it is this the he-man thing it's the he-man thing. right okay you watched the he-man movie watched, darling from 1987 okay we're going to watch Teeth for Tits rather than half of it midway through because we put them out on TV. Okay. Got it on Blu-ray. It's going to look brilliant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so join us next episode for Masters of the Universe. Uh, we will see you in about a month. Thank you for listening. Thank you.